the weekend right before Independence Day. And I think that it's important that we acknowledge not only that we are blessed to live in the nation that we live in, but people paid a big price for us to be able to live in this nation. And amen, let's give God a hand clap of praise for that. The other thing is what's important for me is in, in, in the modern day that we live, that we don't lose sight of the founding of America and the fact that, you know, I've, I've heard things like uh, the United States is in a Christian nation, which is the biggest line anybody ever told you. And you say, well, how can you say that? Because I've got history to back me up. If you search the history of this nation, we're founded because people came here in search of a place to worship God freely. It was oppression that they were trying to get away from. And we can go one better than that. And we've actually got a slide that, I mean, a slide, but a video I want to show you. And what they've done is they've taken, it's called a prayer for America that's put together by just a few presidential prayers that have been made for this nation. If you would, roll it, guys. Do we have sound? We don't. We no longer have a picture either. <laughs> it was really good. You would have enjoyed it. <laughs> we, had, we had a system crash right before uh, service today, so we, we lost everything, and thankfully our tech guys were able to get part of it back up, but apparently the sound has hidden itself from us. So we'll just go on from there. Everybody say he's going to have to tap dance now. <laughs> let me talk to you about the, uh, well, go ahead and run it and let me read it. This part of it, I won't sing the next one. This is prayers of our presidents, Ronald Reagan. Let us young and old joined together as did the First Continental Congress. That's not going to work either, is it? <laughs> Everyone read aloud as I read silently. I know that's usually supposed to be the other way around. George Washington, Almighty Father, if it is your holy will that we shall obtain a place and a name among the nations of the earth. <laughs> I know what you did. <laughs> Grant that we may be enabled to show our gratitude for your goodness by our endeavors to fear and obey you. Thomas Jefferson. Save us from violence and discord and confusion, from pride and arrogance and from every evil way. Defend our liberties and fashion into one united people, the multitude brought hither out of many kindreds and tongues. Endow with your spirit of wisdom those whom in your name we entrust the authority of government, that there may be justice and peace at home. And that, though, and that through confidence to your law, we may show forth your praise among nations of the earth. 
In time of prosperity, fill our hearts with thankfulness. And in the day of trouble, suffer not our trust in you to fail. With malice toward none, with charity, thank you, with charity for all, with firmness in the right as you give us to see the right, let us finish the work we are in. To find, I mean, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle and for his widow and for his orphans. Continue to guide and sustain us in the great unfinished tasks of achieving peace, justice, and understanding among all men and nations, and of ending misery and suffering wherever they exist. And finally, for we are given power not to advance our own purposes, nor to make a great show in the world, nor a name. There is but one just use of power, and it is to serve people. Help us to remember it, Lord. God be with us as you were with our fathers. May you not leave us or forsake us so that we may incline our hearts to you to walk in all your ways that all peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God, there is no other. Amen. I want everybody just to take a moment right now and thank God for talkies. You know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> Aren't you glad that you've got movies now that have sound to it? Think about everything you missed out on. When you <laughs> All right. If you have your Bibles, uh, get those ready. We're going to go there in just a second. I wanted to speak to you for just a little bit today on let freedom ring. Would you say that with me? Let freedom ring. Liberty was important to our founding fathers. As a matter of fact, they, that name shows up in a variety of ways. We have the Sons of Liberty that fought for freedom. We have the Liberty Bell, the Liberty Tree, the Statue of Liberty, the most important of these there was put forth in the Declaration of Independence these words. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, say it with me, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Our Founding Fathers understood that liberty came from God not from man. They said that we hold these truths to be self-evident. In other words, it's obvious that we don't get life from man. Life came from God. Jesus said, I came that you could have life and have it more abundantly. Liberty is not bestowed by man. Liberty is bestowed by God. And you say, well, what evidence do we have for that idea. In Luke 4, 16 and 21, 
Jesus shows up in the temple. He, he comes, he picks up the Bible, and as he opens the book that has been turned to the prophet Isaiah, he reads this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, and recovery of sight to blind, to set at liberty those who are opposed or oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. All the eyes of the people in the synagogue are fixed on him, and he stands and he says this, Today, the scripture's fulfilled in your ears. What's he saying? He's saying, I've come to proclaim liberty. It's important that you understand what liberty is. Liberty is the freedom to choose. Everybody say, I can choose. When you, when I first traveled to Russia in 1991, there was not liberty to choose what you wanted to eat. There wasn't liberty to choose really what you wanted to wear. There wasn't liberty for a lot of things. I walked down the streets and as I walked down the streets with tens of thousands of people on the streets, you could have heard a pin drop. Nobody's smiling. Nobody's laughing. And I asked my interpreter, I said, what's going on? Why is it so quiet? She said, because during communism, if you were caught laughing, KGB showed up at your house that night, took you in for questioning to find out what you were laughing about. If you had a smile on your face. They wanted to know what you were smiling about because there was certainly nothing there to smile about. Liberty, the, you can have vanilla, chocolate, or strawberry. Your choice. Everybody say liberty. I can even have black walnut. When everybody else thinks it tastes horrible, I have liberty to choose it. Somebody shout amen. I have the liberty, I had liberty to get up and put on whatever suit my wife laid out today. <laughs> liberty. Now, seriously, what God does, and I want you to think about this, because God gives us liberty. He's the one that, that, that gives it to us. And in 2 Corinthians 3 and 17, Paul tells us this. He says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is Liberty, where the Spirit of the Lord is, they work together. They're synonymous with each other. In Galatians 5 and 1, Paul tells us, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, this is where it gets interesting, Galatians 5 and 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. What's he saying? He's saying, don't use liberty to satisfy your sinful nature. He said, but love, he said, but through love serve one another. We have the liberty to choose. But he forewarns us, don't use that liberty in a way that's going to destroy you. How many of you, let me ask you a question. How many of you have children? Wave your hand if you have children. How many of you that have children would like to get rid of some children? I'm just kidding. No, no, no. Okay, so let, let me ask this question. You have, you have children, right? You have children. When they were young, like say around five years old, and they wanted to help you cook, 
Did you turn them loose in the kitchen and let them just cook anything they wanted to? As a matter of fact, my mom used to work night shifts, so every once in a while I would sneak and get up and go into the kitchen. And mom would smell an aroma coming from the kitchen as of something that was burning. And she would, are you cooking? No, mom. It wasn't about that they didn't love us. It was because of love that they created perimeters for us to walk in. Everyone say, I love you enough to try and keep you safe. How many of you, when you were a kid, broke the speed limit? Wave your hand, be honest, if you broke the speed limit. How many of you, as an adult, has broken the speed limit? Raise your hand. I was forced to. My wife kept saying, come on, speed up, speed up. True story, speed up, they give you five. Speed up, I sped up, I got a ticket. After I got that ticket, I turned around and looked at her and I said, you see that? You see that? You kept telling me speed up. Now see what happened? She said, well, think about all those times you were speeding and never got caught. <laughs> Liberty. <laughs> Liberty to, to, to choose. But if you make wrong choices, there are repercussions for wrong choices. And so the apostle Paul's warning, look, you stand in the liberty that you've been given, but don't use it. Be careful how you use liberty. So here's my question. Since we've got this liberty, this, this freedom, if you will, and, and, and we're, we stand in that, why do I still feel at times like I'm in prison? If there's all this liberty around me, why are there times in my life that I feel depressed? Why are there times in my life that I feel like I'm in shackles? Does anyone relate to what I'm saying? I mean, how many of you, since you've been saved, have had days you didn't feel saved? Well, I'm glad you agree with me, but I think that somebody didn't feel saved today when they got up. I just, praise God. I, I don't know who clapped, so anyway. There's a reason. Because, and it's tied up in the last line from that declaration that I read. The pursuit of happiness. I've been endowed with a gift from God. There's some things that God gave me that no one can take from me. No one has the right to take from me. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well then, how come sometimes I feel like I'm still in prison? It's all wrapped up in the pursuit. What are you pursuing? Liberty to choose what you want to pursue for happiness, but what are you pursuing? John 1 and 17, 
Let me just tell you this, that life, liberty, and happiness are all found in Christ. So if I'm pursuing something other than that, then what's happening is I'm creating a trap for myself. How many of you have ever been walking down the sidewalk and done one of these? And what do you do when you do that? What, typically, what do you do? You turn around. Huh. Who put that there? There's nothing there. You just, you know, and, 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 and then you're trying to, you know, be careful. Be careful right there. It's because you're embarrassed. Anybody ever done that besides me? You're embarrassed because you're stumbling where there's nothing to stumble over. My dad used to get so aggravated at me because he'd say, and, and Debbie tells me I still do it. I don't think I do, but she says I do. But I've got the liberty to say I don't. But my dad, my dad used to tell me, he'd say, son, would you quit dragging your feet? Pick your feet up. He said, look at the toes on your shoes. He said, man, he said, you wear out a pair of shoes. He said, you drag your feet. And honestly, sometimes that's what tripped me up. It's because I wasn't picking them up and putting them down. I mean, think about it. You know, if I'm walking through Walmart and you see me doing this, <laughs> what are you going to do? You're going to, what's wrong with that guy, you know? But on the same token, I can't be dragging my feet because what happens is when I allow a drag to get in my life, stay here with me, when I allow a drag to get in my life, it trips me up. When you're fishing, the drag on your pole has to be set right or you're never going to bring in what's on the end of your pole. When you're living for God, you got to get the drag off. You got to learn how to pick up your feet and quit allowing the devil to intimidate you. Get the drag out of your life and begin to understand that I am a son of liberty. Amen. Listen to what John tells us, St. John 1 and 17, for the law. Everybody say the law. Now, do you understand that the, the birth of this nation, and I, I've got to retract something I said earlier because I said we were born out of rebellion, and that's not really true because it's not, they were not rebelling. They were standing up for what God had given them and saying, I'm not going to allow man to take it away. There were laws that were being passed that took away all their rights. They had, they had taxation without representation. They, they, were, they, they were put underneath what they called the quartering act so that they had to put soldiers in their homes. Their, their, their goods could be confiscated without any law, without any reason. And, and they were living under this tyranny and they decided, I'm going to break away from it. The Bible said that the devil came but to steal kill and destroy. We're facing a tyranny of our own. And that, that, that is that the devil wants to take you out. But you've got to understand that if God be for us, who, my friend, can be against us? So you've got to step up and say, no, I'm not going to be brought under that control. Amen. For the law came through Moses. The law could never save you, understand that. But the law was good because the law pointed out what was wrong. Think about this. What if we had no law 
against stealing. And everybody, you know, and somebody saw something you had and they just walked up and yanked it away from you. There's no law against it. Well, that's mine. Not anymore, it ain't. So the law pointed out what was wrong, but it couldn't make you right. How many of you in here were ever made to say, I'm sorry? Wave your hand at me if you were ever made. Liz, I can tell by the way you put that hand up, you weren't excited about it when it happened. Made to say, I'm sorry. You go tell your brother you're sorry. I'm sorry your face ran into my fist. That's not sorry. So what the law was doing was creating a perimeter, but it wasn't changing us. Something has to happen in the heart to change us. So it says that the law was, came through Moses, but grace, everybody say, I got what I don't deserve. Grace, and, you remember the story about grace, how you tell the difference between grace and mercy? You got, your, you got caught taking cookies out of the cookie jar. Dad tells you, I catch you in the cookie jar again, you're getting a whipping. He walks in, you got your hand up to your elbow in the cookie jar. You're caught. Mercy withholds the whipping. Mercy withholds what you deserve. But grace gives you the cookie. Because grace gives you what you don't deserve. That's why the scripture said we're saved by grace. <laughs> Come on, be honest, man. You didn't do anything worth being saved. You, you ain't all that in a bag of chips. If I got what was coming to me, I'm in a sorry state. But because of the grace of God, I can get up with a song in my heart, a smile on my face, and a skip in my step, knowing that I've been apprehended, given something I didn't deserve. And it said that grace and truth, everybody say truth, came by. Here, we live in a world that, that tells you that certain things are facts when there's no fact to them. Now, I'm, I'm a stickler for facts. So I can tell you up front, when you, when, when you start studying about evolution, 99% of that is not fact. And that's just a fact. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. I don't, God doesn't have to prove himself, folks. I'm just telling you, when I was in school and I questioned my teacher on it, he said, well, it's a theory just like creation is a theory. I almost got kicked out of class. Because I looked at him, I said, creation isn't a theory. I said, creation's the word of God. He said, well, we're looking at evolution. It's, a, it's another creation, or it's another theory. They don't tell you it's a theory anymore. They treat it like it's fact, and it's bogus. The only part of evolution that's true is the microevolution that happens within a species. There's never been any evidence of macroevolution where a dog became a cat or a rock became a croc. So it says you'll, that grace and truth came by who? By Jesus Christ. 
Everybody saved by Jesus Christ. So now jump over into John 8 and 32. You'll know the what? You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And then when you drop down to verse 36, he says, and whom the Son is set free uh, is free indeed. What's he saying? When you know me, uh, you, come, uh, you become acquainted with truth. Uh, the idea that I love you so much, uh, I'd rather die for you uh, than live without you. And he proved it. Amen. So we're not supposed to walk around bound. Turn and look at your neighbor and say, let freedom ring. He wants us to be set free. It's time to let it ring out in your heart and in your mind. Free from sin and shame. How many of you have ever sinned? You don't have to raise your hand on this. You all have. I have. The Bible said, for all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. So before you start walking around like you're the best thing God ever gave to the earth. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes folks act like they never sinned in their life. And they, look, if I walk around acting like I can walk on water, what hope does that give the other individual? I'm telling you that God has come to redeem us, to set us free Amen. from sin and shame. Amen. Amen. You don't have to raise your hand on this. How many of you have ever done something you were ashamed of? And when you did that, the enemy continues to use it on you. After God's already forgiven you, he keeps trying to wear you out with it. Do you remember when? And so our focus is what's wrong with us instead of what he did. What would you do if all of a sudden you, you owed someone, uh, say you, you owe your rent and you don't have the money to pay for it and somebody comes up and they pay your rent and you know they paid your rent, but the next day your landlord shows up with an eviction notice and say, y'all get out right now, just take off. How come? Because you didn't pay your rent. My rent's been paid for. Well, I don't care. You didn't pay for it, so it doesn't count. Would you go, oh, I'm so sorry, and start packing your stuff? You turn around and look at him and say, let me tell you a thing. He'd say, I know it's paid for. I know the individual that did it. I know they did it because it was an expression of love for me. Uh, so you can get pack your bags, uh, get your feet off my doorstep, uh, because for the next 30 days, uh, this is my place. Amen. Well, don't anybody get excited. This is what I'm trying to tell you, that Jesus paid the price uh, so you could be free. Quit letting the devil try and shame you. We need to be free from doubt and fear. How many of you, when that storm came through, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you, when the storm came through, got a little fearful? Mike was afraid for us. He sent me a text. He said, are you all right? That's right over you, according to the radar. I went outside and looked. <laughs> 
sorry, the, the, the storm right, right in the middle of something and we can become fearful. Fear is a tool of the devil. Do you understand that there are other storms rather than ones that are caused by wind and rain? There are storms that you go through on a personal level. And when those storms come in, you hear sirens start to go off. And, and, and the first thing you want to do is the same thing you do where sirens go off in the natural. You want to find a place to run and hide, bury your head, throw a mattress over you, and wait for it to pass. That's not how this works. What you've got to do is say, wait a minute. I'm a child of God. I'm blood-bought. Get out of my house. Get out of my life. I'm not going to succumb to this storm. So Jesus gives us an illustration of it when in the natural, they're in a storm and he steps out and says, peace, be still. And everything that happens in the natural world has a spiritual correlation. So what God is telling you is there's no storm you'll ever be in that he can't still and calm. Don't be afraid. Get rid of your doubts and fears. Let freedom come up in your heart. Freedom from depression and addiction. You know, when you're depressed, I've, I've met people, that, and, and the other thing is this, is you need to have compassion on folks. Because people that wrestle with depression, a lot of times you can't understand them, but it's real to them. I, I, I worked with a guy that would wait until late at night, like 11 or 12 o'clock before he would go to the grocery store because he had a fear of being in crowds of people. And he would just wait and, 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 and that leads to isolation and isolation can lead to depression and the devil's just wringing his hands and, and laughing and saying, I've got you addiction where all of a sudden we need some substance to help us just get through the day and somehow we think that's the magic potion and and oh if I can just have this but then it becomes a a prison it, it makes you a prisoner in and of itself that's why there's so many problems today you hear about the opioid Oh, I can't talk. Opioid crisis and, and, and kids that are grabbing, the, the, you know, drug medication. And, and all of a sudden people are dying. Why? Because they haven't learned to cope with life. Uh, and they're trying to sedate themselves out of it. Uh, I'm telling you, Jesus came uh, that you could have it, uh, have it more abundant. You don't have to back away. You don't have to be afraid. You can stand up and say, here I am, God. Amen. How can I have freedom if those things are happening around me, let's learn a lesson from Paul. Paul has been beaten by the crowd. He's been arrested by the soldiers. More than 40 men have bound themselves with a curse not to eat until they murder him. He's hauled off in the middle of the night and brought before the ruler Felix, who wanted a bribe and kept him in prison for two years trying to get one from him. Then Felix is gone and he's replaced by Festus. And Festus tries to take Paul back to Jerusalem where they want to kill him. And so he makes an appeal to Caesar. So he remains in prison waiting to be transferred to Rome when King Agrippa shows up. And he's marched in before King Agrippa. Everybody say the definition of a bad day. He's marched before Agrippa, and this is what Paul said in Acts 26 and 2. 
I think myself happy, King Agrippa. Turn around, smile real big. I think myself happy. Think about it. Elephant just stepped on your toe. Oh, I'm so happy. You get, I hope you don't miss what he said. I think myself happy. What's he saying? I've learned to walk in the liberty that Christ gave me. And I get to choose how I go through whatever I'm facing. I think myself happy. And then he... (laughs) And then he goes on to tell him about his life story and how God had saved him. And he's got Agrippa so under conviction. He looks at him and he said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul looked at him and he said, I would to God that not just you, but everyone that heard my voice today were even all together as I am except for these chains. Something, isn't it? He holds no bitterness. He's not wishing on them what they've done to him. Why? Because he found liberty. He found freedom. And in that moment, Paul's letting freedom ring. How about you? Are you ready for freedom to ring out in your life? Well, pastor, if I could just win the lottery, then I would be free. Over 90% of people that win the lottery are broke in seven years. That's the stats. A friend of mine, and and, and he's been here and sung for you, his brother-in-law won a million dollars in the lottery. I'm not making this up. He won a million dollars. The wife that had left him fell back in love with him. True story. They all tried to tell him, man, don't, don't, she don't love you. She, they bought a brand new house, a brand new car. And now the house has been repossessed. The car's gone. And so is his wife. They went into the house where he lived. And in the closet, God is my witness, they found a stack of lottery tickets where he was scratching off trying to hit it big again. Don't you understand? We get on a merry-go-round. We keep doing the same stuff, ending up in the same place, and none of it brings freedom. And Jesus is saying, I want you to be free. Who I set free is free indeed. You'll never be bound. You'll never be in shackles if you'll just turn to me. So Paul talks about it. Paul says in in. Philippians, the third chapter, Paul, Paul starts talking about this, this freedom. And he said, can I just give it to you in plain English? He said, look, everything that was important to me, I count loss now. He said, I count them like dung. Why? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He said, not as though I've already attained or were already perfect, But I follow after. What's that phrase mean in Greek? I'm in hot pursuit. He said, because I'm trying to apprehend the reason 
I was apprehended. He didn't have to save you, but he did. He didn't have to extend grace to us, but he did. And Paul's saying, I'm trying to figure that out. Because Paul wouldn't. He'd already been down that road. He said, I had believers arrested, beaten, tortured, put in prison, and even put to death. And in spite of all that baggage I was carrying, he rescued me. There's nothing you've done that can keep him from you. If you're willing to change your pursuit and begin to run after him instead of the other stuff. So Paul writes from a prison, from a, a prison in Rome, and this is what he writes. He's writing, look, let me give it to you in plain English. He said, look, I've, I don't want you to misunderstand the things that have happened concerning me because of the circumstances I've been in and, and my arrest. But because of my arrest, the gospel is being preached in the palace. Everybody say in, Syria, in Caesar's house. He said the gospel is being preached in the palace and in all other places. And in the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter, 22nd verse, where he gets ready to end it, there's a phrase there that we read and we miss what's being communicated. Paul says, all the saints salute you, but especially those that are of Caesar's household. You still didn't get it, did you? <laughs> what's he saying? He said, I got arrested. They tried to kill me. They threw me in jail. They kept me locked up. I appealed to Caesar. They sent me here. I've been locked up. But since I've been locked up, I've had a revival going on. And I got converts that are in Caesar's household now. Can't you see Caesar's grandpa walking by the throne and going, hey, Paul, Paul, praise God. What's going on? Paul is making an impact everywhere he is. I think myself happy. Would you stand with me today? We'll celebrate this Wednesday with firework displays. We'll have, we'll roast hot dogs and hamburgers and have barbecue. We'll play yard darts and volleyball and jet ski and but we'll remember what we're celebrating. We come to church every Sunday. Most of us sit in the same place we always sit. We hear, we'll hear a message. We'll sing the songs of Zion. But will we remember what we're celebrating? Freedom. Freedom. It's time to let freedom ring. Not, not on the Liberty Bell. Not, not with a fireworks display, but let freedom ring in your heart. 
to be able to wake up with a smile on your face in the morning and say it's well with my soul to be able to raise your hands in the midst of a storm and say God I trust you let freedom ring I've traveled and been in several nations there's one thing that I found in nations that want to oppress people the first thing they do is get rid of the Bible it's what they did in Russia when the Bolshevik revolution took place Lenin bulldozed down churches all through the town of St. Petersburg the ones that he left standing he used the stables for his horses they gathered all the Bibles burned them in the middle of the street if you were caught with a Bible in Russia you were sentenced to 10 years in prison for every Bible you had why because you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free grace and truth came by Jesus Christ and whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Hitler sided with the churches until he came into power. And then he squashed the churches because he could not oppress a people as long as that people were holding on to God. Liberty did not come by the state it was not given by King George it was given by God and as long as our pursuit is for him we're going to find that happiness we're going to find that joy that's unspeakable and full of glory and no one or anything will ever be able to keep us down. Are you ready for it? Come on, give him a hand clap of praise if you're ready for it today. So this is what I want you to do. At the close of the service today, I want you to move to the front of this building very quickly, if you will. Just real quick, we're going to, I know we're going to a picnic and all that. The chicken's not gonna burn. I want you to think about things that hold you. Because the things that put you in prison may not be the same things that put me in prison. I never had a problem with drugs but I had a problem with anger. I saw what drugs did to my family. So I was determined to get rid of every peddler and pusher in my neighborhood. My aspiration as a young boy was to grow up and become Clint Eastwood. Go ahead, make my day. I'm just telling you the truth. I know it, it, that was silly, but that was real to me. And I was free to pursue that. And if it hadn't been for the hand of God reaching in and apprehending me, I wasn't looking for God when I found him. 
I thought they were all crazy. But it didn't matter because he still loved me. He loves you whether you're looking for him or not. He loves you when you don't love yourself. He loves you when you're trying to run from him. He still loves you. He loves you when you're using liberty as an occasion to the flesh. He still loves you and he's determined that he's going to have you. He's going to get you and he wants freedom to ring out in your life. That's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. For it's the power of God unto salvation. Well, aren't you afraid of what someone will say about you? Folks talked about me before I ever started living for God. Well, your friends aren't going to like you. Then they're really not my friends. I know what it is for friends to use you. But I'm glad I found a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Aren't you? So this is what I want you to do today. At the close of this service, if you've got your mind made up that this is your day of declaration, I want you to raise your hands and I want you to declare, I want you, Jesus. With, now hold it, hold it right before you do that. Everybody look at who you're standing next to say why did you do that because look man if I've got if you've got to close your eyes and have everybody close their eyes around you you're never gonna make it when you get out there if you can't make a declaration in here among people that love and care about you how are you ever going to stand for God out there so don't be embarrassed about this don't be ashamed about this just raise your hands and say I want you Jesus and I don't care who knows it I want you Jesus Matter of fact, why don't you take a moment and just turn around and look at the person next to you and say, I want Jesus more than I want anything else. I want Jesus more, I want Jesus more than I want anything else. More than I want your apple pie. More than I want fried chicken. More than I want a name for myself. I want Jesus. I want him. I want him. And from this day forward, say it with me, hands still up. From this day forward, Jesus, come on, say it loud. Jesus, you are my pursuit of happiness. Come on now, give him a great big hand clap of praise. Yes, we're 
lift those hands up one more time and just shout it out, I'm free. Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise. I'm free. I'm free. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. I'm going to let you go in just a second. Please come over to the Life Center. We've got chicken and barbecue. We're going to have a good time over there. But this Wednesday, when you're celebrating the 4th, I want you to remember what they were fighting for. And to that, they pledged themselves and their fortunes. John Adams wrote to his wife, and he said, I know very well this could cost me my life, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Turn around, look at your neighbor, and say, it's worth it. It's worth your life. He's worth every breath you breathe, because without him, we don't have it. Amen. God bless you today. Remember, God's made you the head and not the tail. Above and not beneath. He's blessed you going in and coming out. And no matter what you're facing, you're free in Jesus' name.